you so much. You guys, you guys doing good tonight? Doing good? Feeling good? Yeah? How do you guys feel about this weather that's like going up and down and up and down? Kind of the worst. Um, but I like that it's cold today. I like the cold weather. Um, I don't, I feel like I'm in the minority for that, but it's okay. It's okay. Well, we're going to jump right in if you guys... If you guys are ready for that, are you guys ready? Okay, so if you guys want to turn in your Bibles with me, and it'll also be up on the screen, uh, to Matthew chapter 26, okay, and we're going to be in verses 36 through 44. It's a little lengthy, bear with me, because it's worth it, and it's good, okay? So, and just to preface, this is Jesus with the disciples before he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? And this is right before Judas betrays him, and he gets taken away, okay, and put on trial. All right, so here we go. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible... May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus, Lord, we love you so much. And we just thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you just for this honor and privilege to be up here, Jesus. And I pray, Father, that this word that you have, Jesus, that it would speak to each one of us here, Lord, myself included, God. Lord, would you just open our our hearts and our ears to what you have for us tonight, Jesus. Would you be with us, Lord? We thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to start off by telling you guys a little bit about myself, okay? So some of you know this, some of you may not. Most of you probably don't. So I used to have really severe anxiety, okay? Like, pretty severe. Like, you name the form of it, I probably had it. Like, driving anxiety, social anxiety, anxiety about anxiety, okay? Anxiety about not having anxiety, okay? You name it, I had it. But one of the main ones I had, okay, was going to public places by myself. It was awful, okay? And I don't know if any of you relate, but it was awful, okay? So I'm going to tell you a few of the different times that it was, it was bad, okay? So the first one is when I went grocery shopping. If I had to go to a store by myself which I hated to do to begin with. Okay, it was awful. Didn't like it. Uh, But if I had to go, the inevitable came and I had to buy groceries by myself. I would only pick a grocery store if it had self-checkout. Because let me tell you, I don't want to deal with a cashier and unnecessary conversation. Okay? I don't want it. It's bad enough that I'm going to be going through the grocery grocery store, picking up my strawberry jam, and someone could look at me and be like, "Mm, you want strawberry jam? Grape is so much better. Listen, I want my strawberry jam, okay? And I don't need the cashier to tell me that too. Therefore, I will do self-checkout if I have to go alone, okay? Yes. Okay, and that goes on to, uh, okay, easy enough to be walking by myself, 
But let me tell you, you would not have caught me dead sitting at a, at a fast food place or a Starbucks by myself, okay? No one wants to look like this guy, okay? Literally no one. No one wants that, okay? You know, you're just sitting there and suddenly you're like, you're like, look, someone's going to come in here and be like, look at that loser. Got no friends, okay? I don't need that negativity in my life. I have friends, okay? And I don't need people thinking I don't have friends, okay? I don't need them to look at me, feel sorry for me, pity me. So if I needed food to go, drive through it is, that's it. Will not sit by myself, okay? Wouldn't have caught me there. And then there's this one of walking into a crowded room by yourself, okay? Yes, thank you. Amen. Not alone in this, <laughs> okay? And so when I was in small group, it was even worse than it is now, okay? So like, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Like you sit in your car and wait as long as you have to until your friend is with you so you don't have to walk in alone. And if like the inevitable comes and you have to go in alone, you're like, okay, okay, so you're probably going to know someone in there. You just, you, you give yourself a pep talk, right? You're like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm just going to like look around really quick, find that one person I know, run to them, stick to them like glue. We're good. That's my shadow. Like I'm going to follow them. We're going to be great. Okay. And we can handle it. Am I right? Okay. So I had a wonderful friend named Cooper when I was at Sam. Okay. She's the best. Love her a lot. One of my very best friends. And when we were in small group together, she knew this character trait about myself. Okay, she knew that I was not a fan and that I could not be in public places by myself, especially crowds, okay? And that included Chi Alpha. So I remember one night, very distinctly, walking in together. We're together, okay? We walk in. I'm like, okay, I'm with Cooper, we're good. We're good. We're solid, okay? And then we go, and we find our seat, and I'm like, okay, I got my seat. There's a lot of people, but I have my seat. I have Cooper. We're good. I'm good, okay? And then from there, she looks over at me, and she goes, hey, um... I kind of want to go say hi to some of my friends. You can tell me no. It's okay. I know you don't like being alone. So you can tell me no. I just, but is it, is it okay? And what am I supposed to do in that moment? Okay. Am I going to be that person that's like, um, no, you need to hold my hand and you need to be by me. I cannot be alone. Do not abandon me. Okay. I can't be that person. <laughs> okay. I don't want her to judge me and be like, this girl is so clingy and needy. No. Why am I friends with her? Okay. So of course my reaction is, yeah, you go ahead. You go, and you go say hi to your friend. I'm going to be right here where you left me, and I'll be good, okay? And so she's like, okay, yeah. And so she goes, and I'm telling you, not even like 15 seconds after she leaves, I'm immediately like, how could you do that? I'm, okay. I'm now standing here, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, okay, everyone here is with someone else. Like, they all have their friends here, okay? And everyone's starting to look at me, right? I'm like, I'm by myself. I'm the loser. I don't have my friends with me. Okay, Cool. That's fine. How could Cooper do that to me? Okay. It turns into me getting mad at Cooper. I'm like, she knew. She knew how I felt. She knows that I'm terrified of being alone by myself in crowded places nonetheless. And here we, how could she, she's supposed to be my best friend. How could she be so selfish? Right? And then this is about five minutes of her being gone. Okay. She's only gone for five minutes. She comes back. She's like, hey, you doing okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Right, and I unfortunately have that trait where I wear all of my expressions on my face and I can't hide anything, okay? I just can't. It's fine. So she knows immediately right off the bat, okay? And she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing, I'm fine. I said, I'm fine, I'm fine. She's like, I literally know you, you're not fine. Like, what is wrong? I'm like, okay, fine, how could you leave me? How could you leave me alone? You know, you know, okay? And she's like, 
But you, I, I asked you. I asked. You said it was okay. I made sure. I said that I would stay if you wanted to. And I was like, I wasn't going to do that to you, okay? Okay? No, I'm not going to be that person, right? And so I think from the sound of it, we can all relate to this, right? And do you know what I hated doing all of these things? I hated doing all of these things because I felt like everyone around me was looking at me and, and judging me and imagined the thoughts that they could have about me, Okay? And that kept me from the ability of being able to perform very simple things, like going to the grocery store, okay, in peace. So is it common to have these feelings and use them as excuses? Yes, it's common, but is it healthy? No, okay? So let's take a closer look at the heart of these anxieties and and see what we find, okay? So being by myself in public, whether it was by myself in a crowded place or uh, going to grocery stores by myself and talking to to cashiers, which I would not do, right? The main reason I wouldn't do these things alone, again, is because I was so fixated on what I thought other people would think of me, right? And how many of us do that? We're in a room, something happens, and, and we instantly think, everyone's thinking about me. They're, they're judging me. They saw me do that. I'm naturally a very clumsy person, okay? So, like, if you're around me long enough, you will see me walk into a wall or fall or trip, okay? Like, just spend, like, 10 minutes with me. I guarantee you it'll happen, okay? Um... <laughs> And so I am very used to that, being like, I just did that. Like, one time, I had to preach in front of high schoolers who are already intimidating, okay? They're intimidating. You can't tell me any different. It's fine. Um, And before I even opened my mouth and I tried to get on stage, I fell. I fell onto stage. And so these kids are already looking at me like, she can't even walk. Okay. But it's fine. It's fine. So we all have those moments, right, where something happens and we're like, everyone's looking at me. Everyone's judging me. But do you know what the real heart of those thoughts are or what what it is? It's pride. It's pride. There's a guy named Andrew Murray, one of my absolute favorite authors, okay? If you haven't read him, read him the best, okay? One of the best ODGs in my opinion. And uh, he has a book called Humility. If you read it, which you should, it will wreck you, okay? And convict you to no end. Cameron has it in the back waving it. She has it. Look at her. Anyways, so... (laughs) So, in this book, okay, he talks about two forms of humility that we see in this world, okay? And the first being the one that you typically think of when you think of the word pride, right? Arrogance. You think really high of yourself, and you're like, I'm the best, right? And the other is actually when you think way too low of yourself. Self-deprecation, right? And this one's a little bit sneakier, but it's still pride, let me assure you. And you're still thinking about yourself just as much as that arrogant person is. Only you're thinking about yourself negatively, right? And when we let those thoughts set in and consume us, they become prideful. And you want to know why? Because whether we are being arrogant or self-deprecating, we're only thinking of ourselves, right? And so those thoughts either say, all those people saw me me do that really impressive thing. I'm the best, right? Like, they see me. I'm really cool. I got all these people with me, okay? And that's, that's arrogance, right? And that's pride. But then you also have the ones, everyone's looking at me. They, they saw me do that embarrassing thing, and they're judging me, and they're laughing at me. And why wouldn't they be? I'm a mess, right? And you know why those thoughts are prideful, again, is because we're fixated on ourselves, yeah. right? And when in reality, here's the thing. Let me tell you and let you in on some truth. You're not that big of a deal. None of us are. I'm not. Yeah. You're not. We all aren't, right? And chances are people are not thinking about you. 
And all you have to do to see that the truth of that is to go on social media and you will see within 10 seconds on it that everyone is too wrapped up in their own world and their own life to even think about you for a second. Right? And so even if they were thinking about you, why does it matter? Why does it matter to us? Right? And so uh, a great biblical example of someone who struggled with pride, he's one of my favorites in the Bible, probably because I relate to him so much on so many levels, is Peter. Okay? And we see this guy, he's a coward, right? So many times in the Bible, he is a coward. And so when we find Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus, he's a man who is so self-consumed that he can't even support his best friend during the worst night of his life, right? And his pride stopped him from caring about others, and, and he only fixated on himself, right? And so soon after Jesus is taken away, we, we find Peter at a fire, okay? And he's surrounded by people talking about everything going on. And you know what he's thinking about? Himself. He's like, he's so nervous and so panicked. He's like, all these people around, they know I'm with him. They know, they know. They're going to they're gonna know that I'm a Galilean by the way I'm talking. Just by the way I'm talking. And he's so fixated on this and consumed on this and so focused on, on pe- being put with that and alongside with that and being called out that a little girl, a child, again, a child comes up to him and he's terrified. He panics at a child. Okay? And that made him panic. He just knew in his mind that everyone was looking at him. Everyone was thinking about him and judging him. But the truth is they weren't. Right? They were thinking about Jesus. Right? And, and these thoughts of, um, of self-paralyzed him from even comprehending and emphasizing with his, or, uh, empathizing with his best friend. Right? And, and he was being beaten and interrogated on the other side of a palace wall. And all Peter cared about was himself, right? And we know that, that Peter uh, got better and he, he got over himself, but how did he do it, right? In the garden, when hundreds of people were, um, were thinking about him, right, Jesus did not focus on his own well-being, but he emptied himself of everything except for God, right? Yeah. Saying, not my will, but yours, yeah, right. right? And so Jesus is the best example of this of how, how to see this. And so Jesus was humility in the flesh, right? And, and this is how to overcome the temptation of pride, right? He knew that the only way to overcome it was not to fight against it, but to simply turn his focus to Jesus and to, to God, right? To the Father. And so when we try to clear a room of darkness, right, with your bare hands, it seems like an impossible task, right? You try and grab a shadow and pull it away, you're just going to look really funny, right? Um, and, and because it can't be gripped or grasped until you realize that you just need to light a candle, right? You don't push the darkness out of a room. You simply turn on the lights, right? And so with anxiety, with these overwhelming thoughts about yourself that can consume us, they cannot exist if you're only thinking of things of the Lord, right? It's just not possible. They can't coincide, right? And so later in the books of Acts, in the book of Acts, we go on to see the same Peter that was in the garden, right? And who denied Jesus. Um, We see him after a time of prayer and focusing his thoughts on the Lord and not himself. He preaches to thousands and at least to thousands more getting saved, right? And coming to Jesus. And that's not bad, not too bad for a guy who was terrified of a child, okay? And so Peter took himself, emptied himself so that the Lord could fill him, right? And do you know how Peter went on to die? He was martyred. And he was crucified upside down on a cross. And, and he wanted that because 
he didn't want to be hung the same way that Jesus was because he didn't think he was worthy enough for that. Only Jesus was. He followed Jesus unto death, right? And how powerful is that? How many of us are willing to do that, right? And Andrew Murray says this in humility. He says, humility is nothing but the disappearance of self in the vision of that God is all. Right? So, if we want to look like Jesus, and more importantly, if we really want to be like him on the inside and not just have the appearance, we must come before the Lord in humility. We have to. Right? Emptying ourselves completely, allowing ourselves to become nothing, and allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and guide our mind towards God and his kingdom. Right? And not the things of this world. And it sounds simple enough, right? In theory, you can just be like, you hear, you know, if you walk with Jesus, you're like, okay, yeah, Jesus is really cool. God is really incredible. Like his characteristics, wow, I want those. I want to look like that. Like, yes, Lord, like, let me, let me be like you. Help me to, to die to self and be more like you, Jesus, right? If we walk with Jesus, naturally we have that desire, right? At least I hope that we would. Um, but here's the thing. It's not that simple, right? We quickly realize it's not that simple, and that, that temptation and that sin comes in so quickly, <laughs> and that pride comes in so quickly, right? Um, and that's because even though the concept in and of itself isn't complicated, it doesn't mean that it's not difficult. Because just because something's complicated doesn't mean it's not difficult. Yeah. And the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? Remember that? And the concept, let's look at a concept, okay? The concept of running a marathon, Okay, so if someone eats a whole thing of pizza the night before and drinks like down to two liter of like Coca-Cola, okay, and then wakes up in the morning, you're like, you know what I want to do today? I want to run a marathon. Let's go, right? Um, let me tell you, your body, if you try that, your body's not going to let you do it, right? No matter how, like how much you will yourself, you're like, you can do it. You can, you can run this. You can 26 miles. Easy peasy. Let's go. Right? You can, you can will yourself to do it to no end, but your flesh is weak, and if it's not trained for it, it's not going to happen. Right? And so what does, uh, what does a person run, run, running a marathon do to prepare for race day? Right? They, they, you know, they train, and typically it's really intense, usually at least a year in advance. Okay? It's 26 miles. It's like running to wall and back and then some. Okay? It's pretty, it's pretty far. Okay, we live in the middle of nowhere, so it's pretty far, and so they train, right, and they don't just train their legs, they train their entire body, right, and they, they eat the right things, they fill themselves with the, the proper nutrients, and they drink lots of water, and then even with that, they don't just wake up after doing that and be like, okay, I'm going to run 26 miles day one, let's do it. And then just keep doing it until I get there. No. They start at slower paces and they start at slower distances and build their way up. Right? And build up that endurance. It takes discipline. Right? The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. And so let's go back to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. How is he feeling? The scripture says he began to feel sorrowful and troubled. What was his response to his flesh when it was growing weak? It says he fell to the ground And went to his father in prayer, saying, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. And he didn't do it just once. He did this three times. Three times he prayed that prayer. And that's Jesus, who is perfect and has no sin, okay? 
he's perfect in nature and has no sin. And he had to do that three times. How much more do we have to do that? Humans who are naturally so sinful and so stupid and so selfish. Okay? How many more times? We have to do it daily and repeatedly on a daily basis. Multiple times a day. It doesn't happen overnight. Right? And so, yes. Capturing every thought that we have. Right? And giving it to God so that not our will, but his be done. And so the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. And let's look at what Jesus says right before he says those words, right? He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So watch and pray. This means that to look more like Jesus, it's not going to happen overnight, right? It's going to take discipline, and it's not something we can do alone. It has to be through prayer and meeting with the Father. And discipline, let me tell you, um, going back to my story of being irrationally fearful of cashiers and every other person in the crowded room by myself, okay? um, Do you know how I got over that? Because the Lord really convicted me of it because he told me that wasn't something from him, right? That spirit of fear. And so the way I got over it was one day I felt like the Lord was saying, hey, go sit at a Starbucks by yourself and spend time with me. And I said, do I really have to? I don't want to. And I said, but okay, Jesus, not my will, but yours, right? And so I get in my car, I have snacks with me, and I literally, when I tell you I sat in my car for 20 minutes giving myself a pep talk, I sat in my car for 20 minutes giving myself a pep talk, okay? It's embarrassing. And then I finally just got to the point, I was like, Jesus, I don't want to do this. Every part of my flesh does not want to do this. But Lord, I know you're asking this of me, and so I'm going to get over myself, and I'm going to do it, right? And so I got up, I went inside Starbucks, it was crowded, it was awful, right? And there's no open seats, and I'm like, instantly, when I tell you instantly, those thoughts came creeping back in of, you look dumb, like, what are you doing? These people are going to be like, this girl thinks she can find a seat here? Wrong. And instantly, do you know what I did when those thoughts came, though? Because I had been praying and giving it to Jesus, I said, no, no, I'm here because the Lord asked me to be here. So I'm going to turn those thoughts and give them to Jesus. They have no weight in my life. They might still be there, but I'm giving them to Jesus because they have no right. Jesus has authority, not those things and not those thoughts, right? And so I go and I'm like, okay, there's no seats inside, but there's seats outside. So we're going to go sit outside. And so I sat down. Listen, I like outside better anyway, so it worked out perfectly. It's quieter. (laughs) Until someone orders, but that's beside the point. Anyways, you're sitting outside, right? And and I pull out my Bible, and I'm still really nervous, if I'm being honest. But then I just started spending time with the Lord. And the Lord was like, look at yourself. You're doing it. You're doing it. And when I tell you at the beginning of that summer, I never would have imagined myself doing anything like that in my life. Which sounds so small and so silly, but it had become my life, right? And so... I, I sat there and spent time with the Lord and just thanked him for giving me that ability because those, those thoughts had so much authority over my life and I, I hadn't surrendered them to Jesus. Those selfish, prideful thoughts because no p- person in there was staring at me. No person in there cared, right? Yeah. And so, yes, it, it was great. And I sat there and I can gladly tell you today that I actually love going to Starbucks and sitting by myself and doing work and spending time with the Lord. So, but, <laughs> yes. Yes, and so it is great. And then, so, yes, like I said, it was terrifying and uncomfortable. 
And those self-centered thoughts didn't disappear instantly. But um, I gave the authority to Jesus, right? And it takes discipline. And I still have thoughts that happen. We're human. I'm human. I walk into a room and I'm like, okay, what do I do? What's happening? And that happens to all of us. And it might be common for us, but it's not normal. The normal is to be with, be with Jesus, right? And so, yes. To not give those selfish thoughts any weight in our life and to empty ourselves of sin and selfishness so that our mind can be filled with the things of the kingdom, right? And so the worship team can, uh, can come back up. And so, look at Jesus, okay? The most disciplined man there ever was, right? In the years leading up to his death, he, he got into the practice of retreating and spending time with the Father constantly. It wasn't something that happened overnight. He, he practiced the presence of being with the, his, the Father, right? He practiced that obedience. And when multitudes came flooding towards him, after he performed miracles, he retreated and spent time with the Father instead of letting that pride into his heart, yeah. right? And taking control of his heart. And because of this discipline, he went back to the Father in that day in the garden, right? When his Father was asking him to do the hardest thing he had ever done in his life. The hardest thing he'd ever been asked to do, to give his life, right? But because of that discipline he had had of, of surrendering himself and giving that pride up and getting over himself, right? And his flesh, he was able to do it. He said, not my will, but yours be done, Father. Amen. Right? His response was to fall on his face in prayer and go to the Father. And so I just, I just want you guys to take a second, okay, and just, just examine yourself and ask the Father to come in and examine yourself too. Right? Like I said, these thoughts are so common. And some are, are, are heavier and, and harder than others. Right? But ask the Lord to, to fix your eyes off of yourself because I guarantee you, if you were to use the Father's eyes to see those, those hindrances in your life, those things that you are stopping, allowing to stop you from spending time with Jesus, that the core of it's going to be selfishness. You know? And, and spending time with the Father is the only way that, that you're going to get over those things. Right? And so. Yes, so just in closing, I just, the altars are going to be open, and I just think that it would be good to, to spend time in prayer and asking the Lord the things that he is asking you to lay down, the pride in your heart that you need to get over so that the Holy Spirit can come in and fill you with things of the Lord and the kingdom of God.